This morning I want to read to you, following on in our um, series in the book of Mark, in the book of Mark chapter 3, I want to remind you just quickly what we had previously and um, what we are coming out of here in Mark chapter 2 and leading into Mark chapter 3, we saw that Jesus was actually under immense pressure from all sides. I shared with you how from the very beginning of chapter 2, we see that Jesus was um, challenged from all sides. That while he was healing the paralyzed man, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were just waiting for him to mess up. While he ministered to Levi, they had issues with him being with sinners and being in Levi's house. After that, all the questions about the Sabbath. Why aren't you guys fasting? And why are you picking grain on the Sabbath? And then they're always trying to pressure. They're always trying to catch him out in something that he says or something that he does just to prove him as a fraud and to show him to be less than he proclaimed to be. But not only that, we also see within this time where all these pressures come from everywhere, we also see that there's a lot of pressure from the people around him. People want to be healed. People want to be touched by Jesus. People want to receive and to experience what the layman experienced when his friends lowered him through the roof. It is in this context where we see Jesus putting the, the man with a, with a right of hand in their midst, healing him. And we see more and more people putting pressure on Jesus for healing, for restoration. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. Either in conflict or in desire, but everybody wanted a piece of him. Now it's in this context that in verse 7, we find that Jesus, in the midst of all of this, and I want to read it to you, it says this, Jesus, Mark 3, chapter 3, verse 7, says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all about when they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. In verse 13 again, we see that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 that he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Buonerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Tardius, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So in this treasure cooker of Jesus' ministry, 
touching people's lives and being sought from all over, some with good intentions and some with not so good intentions. We see these words in verse 7, and Jesus withdrew with his disciples. You see, the pressure on Christ at this stage was immense. It almost feels to me that it's so important that we see these things because if you talk to people nowadays, it's almost as if we think that Jesus doesn't really understand what we're going through. I actually heard people say that. We're living in a time that is so rushed, so busy, so much pressure that we, we don't think Paul or Peter or even Jesus could really understand what we are going through. You see, that's where we've got it wrong. What Jesus went through is not only what we're going through, it's what we're going through to the umpteenth degree. You see, the pressure on Jesus was immense. That's why he withdrew to Capernaum, to the countryside. Being along the seashore, where he would be a little bit less vulnerable to these Pharisees and Sadducees trying to get to him and everything and all the pressure that was on him. But while he was withdrawing, withdrawing and withdrew to the side with his disciples, it says, when they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, and, 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 and everybody, they found him again. And they sought him out again. Now, it's wonderful. I mean, it's Jesus. People wanted to be with him. But for a moment, I want to remind you from his side, withdrawing with his disciples and people or the crowds find, finds him again. So much so that we actually hear or read about the first time you hear about an escape vehicle waiting. See, in all these movies you get, you know, when guys rob a bank, you get a vehicle waiting and they always say to the guy in the car, don't. Don't switch the car off. Just keep it running. Come on. Yeah? Just keep it running. Why? Because if we need to get away, you know, we, we want to be ready. So here, where Jesus withdrew to be with his disciples and people found, found him again, and there's so many people around him, Jesus actually said to his disciples, just get the getaway boat ready. And knowing Peter, most probably Peter was on the boat, boys. And, and why? Because it literally says here, it says here, because the crowd, or the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. I think the small boat was to make a quick getaway. I don't know, but, you know, or maybe just to stand on the boat and speak. But, but the reason for all of this is very clear. The word you know, used for what the crowd was doing in the original text, it's actually translated in the Revised Standard Version, it's translated crush. Because Jesus was actually saying to them, get the small boat ready to keep the people from crowding him. He was actually concerned about being crushed. Because everybody was on his, and Jesus was, I think was a brilliant strategist. It was not just in a home as he was with when, he, when he healed the paralyzed man. Now he made sure that there's water behind him and there's a boat. Come on, you've, you've, 
You've got to stay with me here. Sometimes we just read over these things. So much so was the pressure that he said, get ready, be ready, have a boat ready, because this crowd is coming. And everybody wants a piece. You see, our Lord's primary motivation, I shared this with you the previous time, not last week, the week before. His primary motivation at this stage was preaching the kingdom of God. That is what he was doing. People, the people around him was not necessarily seeking the kingdom of God. They were seeking healing, miracles, maybe another lamb, uh, lamb, <laughs> lame man. <laughs> uh, some things I had to get, it's just, it's good. Eh? Come on, Adrian. Huh? Another one for you guys to remember. So they were, they were seeking for somebody else to stand up from a bedridden life. Or somebody to be healed, blind eyes to be opened. That's what they were seeking and, and that's what they wanted. Physical healing for Jesus, as was made clear last time, was secondary to preaching the kingdom. For Jesus, it was about sharing with them that the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come. You see, Jesus would never and did never allow anything, not even popularity, not even being the hottest ticket in town to divert him from his primary purpose. Now we hear this news, of course, but for us it's a little bit difficult because if we get a bit of fame, if something happens to us or we get a bit of success, we tend to be distracted to follow any other cause and other causes very easily. I know it's not with you. I'm just preaching and sharing with you what happens with me sometimes. You see, popularity can and success can and often does seduce us from our primary purpose and what we were made for, but not for Jesus. He stayed singular and focused on what God, the Father, sent him to do. For us, a bit more of a challenge. You see, he had healed so many. This is what it says, literally. He healed so many that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. So on the one side, you had the sick pressing forward to get to Jesus. On the other side, you had the demonized. Those that were demon-possessed were actually driven to Jesus, crying out. What did they say? You are the Son of God. Proclaiming him to be the Son of God. And Jesus instructed them to keep quiet. So imagine for a moment with me, Jesus standing, get this boat ready, people pressing to, to, to just come to him and touch him and to be healed. On the other side, people being thrown at his feet, demons proclaiming out of these people, you are the son of God. Jesus saying, quiet, don't say that. And on the other side, healing people, yeah. And they're at the back saying, you guys better be ready. This is what we are dealing with here. But I mean, it's Jesus, right? No pressure. You might say, wait a minute, but 
This was not just any man. This is Jesus. Just remember, he was fully God, but also fully man. Also experienced everything around him as real. Being focused and fixed on what he's called to do. But also knowing that all of this, I better, I better have a boat ready. It's a practical measure. It's actually a tragic irony here. On the one side, you have people that Jesus says, listen, I'm here to proclaim the kingdom. It's all about who I am, not what I'm able to do. He actually reprimanded him. A little bit later in the gospel, he reprimanded him and said, why are you here? Do you just want to see me do a miracle with the bread again? Jesus was trying to explain to the people following him, I'm here to proclaim the kingdom. But the demons in the people, they knew exactly what was going on. You are the son of God. He said, no, you be quiet. There was a conflict in the spiritual. There was pressure in the heavenlies that I want to be clear in saying, you and I have never experienced that kind of spiritual pressure in our lives. No matter what kind of spiritual pressure we can experience, the pressure that Jesus experienced through his life was more. His temptation was more. Everything on him. Believe me, if the enemy wants you to fall, he wanted Jesus to fall more. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. So he's the object of hate for the world and for darkness. He's the one as he's the object of love. So everything just was forced upon him. The demons knew who he was. He quieted them down. The people were still struggling to get what was going on. Seeking to be renewed, restored, and healed. The truth is Jesus was God, yes, but he was also man. Why is this so important? This is so important because I want to share with you very clearly this morning that Jesus understands pressure. And so, Pete, why is this so important? Listen to what we are talking about. Listen to conversations around us. Listen to what we share with one another. Gee, I can't keep my head above water. There's so many things, this and that, and so many things I know that is good, but I can't get to them because of pressure. I can't keep ahead. We're actually carrying a badge of busyness. Pressure and coping with pressure have become so stressful, but it's almost become a, a badge of honor. If I'm not pressured, if I'm not overloaded, and I'm doing something wrong, or I'm not, you know, I'm not successful. Isn't that what we say? You know, how, how are you going? Oh, busy, busy, my brother. You know. Hey, no problem with saying you're busy if you're busy. Just want to share with you, it's something that we're dealing with. Pressure from all sides, and we find ourselves with this pressure so much on us that in, 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 in the end, we almost think as if Jesus, you, you don't know what I'm going through. Jesus saying, try me. Read again. 
Go back to the Gospels. See my getaway boat. Hello? Pressure from all sides. Jesus understands. He knows that when you really care, you're more under pressure than those who don't. Because if you really care, you care about the kind of work you give. You've got integrity when you work. You want to you do your work well. You want to help others because you care. If God touches your heart, you are actually so susceptible. Susceptive, yes, right pronunciation. You're so susceptible to, to being under pressure because you want to do as Jesus did. If you don't care, you don't care. But if you care, everything you do, you want to do as if for the Lord. It is good. You want to do well and good for those around you. You want to have integrity for delivering the kind of work or, 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 or fruit in your work. Then you know that you know God actually expects and asks of you. So it feels like, oh my goodness, now the pressure is getting more. He understands that those who stand with him are also assaulted by the demonized culture. Do you know that you've got a demonized culture around you? that is trying to draw you away from God. Say, so, Pete, you're making the picture a little bit too difficult. No, let, let me be, be very clear. You can talk about any subject in any circle, no matter how challenging it is, no problem. Stop the conversation, say, guys, just, just say to them, guys, I, I want to talk about Jesus a little bit. <laughs> Come on, why are we laughing? I mean, people are so open-minded, you can talk about anything. Isn't it? Except Jesus. Why? Because there's a reason behind the pressure. There's somebody pulling the strings. There's a culture that wants to separate you, push you away, draw you away from intimacy with Christ, from knowing that he understands. Jesus knows that you face this. Whenever you are under it, you need to remember that Jesus knows what you are going through. Hello? This is crucial. So you don't think, oh, you know what? Jesus and Paul and Peter... These guys just walked from city to city and they just planted churches and everybody was just waiting for them. Come. Oh, yes, Jesus, guys, just make some room. Hey, in a row, boys. Wait your turn. One by one. There's lots of time. Is that the picture you read? Let me ask you, I want, I want you to be clear about this. Do you realize that Jesus understood more about how you experience life and culture and society than you think? Not only the religious environment, but it says right before our verse 7, it says, and even the Herodians joined the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So 
Even the political parties were against him. Anybody here have a political party that is specifically targeting you? Just raise your hand, please, or forever hold your peace. Jesus had religious groupings focused on him as enemy number one. Political party focusing in and saying, listen, we don't agree with you, but we'll agree with you because he's the one we want out. So why? I can guarantee I can see it in your faces. Why are you so focusing on this? You see, the question is, how did Jesus deal with this? Question is not, was he under pressure? He was. The question is, what did he do? Now, please follow with me. Firstly, we see that in verse 7, it says, in all of this, while all this was happening, Jesus did what? Jesus withdrew. I'll say this again, because I can promise you this. It's so foreign that we don't even hear it anymore. Jesus withdrew. He stepped out. He left the crowd. He left the, all the rush and the hurry, hurry, and this must be done. Was there people that were still sick when Jesus said, okay, I'm going to withdraw? Come on, you've got to follow with me. Did Jesus leave some sick people behind when he withdrew? Did he leave some hungry people around, uh, uh, behind when he withdrew? Did he leave some poor people behind when he withdrew? How did Jesus deal with the pressure? How did Jesus deal with, how did he do what he did with this immense force, everything coming down on him? Even before the cross, everything was just leaning on him. And every now and again, you see Jesus. And Jesus withdrew. He stepped out of it. Yeah, of course, Pete, yes, it's such a wonderful, wonderful truth. The point is Jesus, let me just explain with Drew. Jesus got away by himself. Jesus got away. He stepped out of it. The Gospels make it clear that though he was man and God, he still needed to be alone. I wish you could see your faces. Are you preaching about us being alone? That's exactly what I'm preaching about. You see, because this is so foreign. If you ask me, Piet, can I see you then or there? I can say anything. I can say, listen, I can't make it because I've got a meeting. No problem, you'll accept that, you'll change. If I say, I can't make it because, you know, we've got a service or I'm gonna go see somebody in hospital, no problem. But if I say to you, I can't see you then because that's my time alone, I'm even seen as arrogant, out of touch, and a bit not too lecker. <laughs> Don't you get it? This is important. Let me explain to you. 
if withdrawing was important to Jesus, it might just be something you want to build into your diary. If being alone, stepping out, making time to withdraw. Now your withdrawal might be whatever it is for you. But just hear me say this. You might think, you don't know my diary. I might not, but I know if I read the Bible, I know his diary. And I am pretty confident in saying his job description was a little bit more important than yours. Hello? I offended some people now. Pete, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. We are being lied to that you cannot withdraw. You cannot be alone. You have to withdraw. You have to step aside. See, this is the way Thomas Mertens put it. He said, anything else will be accepted as better excuse. If one sets aside time for business appointment, trip, hairdresser, social engagement, shopping expedition, everything is acceptable. But if one says, I cannot come because this is my hour to be alone, one is considered to be rude, egotistical, and strange. If we do not follow Christ's example to come apart, this is what Vance Havner says. If we do not follow Christ's example to come apart, you might just come apart. One of the biggest things we struggle with is people struggle to stay healthy emotionally. Burnout, stress is killing us. But we have no time to be set apart, to come apart, to withdraw. Too many of us wake up to a clock radio, shave to the news, drive through noisy traffic, work in the rush of the office, listen to rush hour reports, relax to the evening news, drift off to sleep, surrounded by still listening to something else, because we're just so afraid of silence. Because when I'm quiet, I've got to deal with what's going on inside of me. Jesus set the example by withdrawing. Say, Peter, I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's not that hard. Not that hard. Sometimes, let me put that down. Let me just share my heart. Sometimes it needs to just get in your car and go park it at the beach if you have to. Or just to a park if you have to, just to be alone. Be alone so that he can speak. Be alone. Get some time alone. Some of the moms say, yeah, you're, 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 a, you're a man. You're a man. How can we be alone? I'm struggling to go alone to the toilet. That's one of my biggest dreams. <laughs> the husbands laugh. You see, you see the wives, they nod their heads. 
The kids don't leave them. They, they follow. The little ones, mommy, I'm in the toilet. Yes, mommy. Yes, hello. They want to be there. If you don't know how we're going to do this, man. You make time. If you have to, that last little bit, if you have to leave these trousers unironed, make time. If you have to teach him, this is how you do that stuff. But make time to be alone. Because if we're empty, we will lose what we have to give. What did Jesus do? Firstly, he withdrew. We need to withdraw. We need silence. But he did not just stay silent. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I want to read this to you. This is, this is so beautiful. In the same, the same experience here we get when Jesus, just before he selected these apostles, this same account in Luke chapter 6 verse 12, it says this, one of those days Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying. Jesus did not just withdraw. He withdrew and prayed. He withdrew and spent time in conversation with the Father. And at the risk of repeating myself, if it was good for Jesus, it was needed for Him. Isn't it needed for us? Wouldn't it be important for us to do? Step aside. Go pray. But I'm not used to Getting up early, I know. On your phone, there's a, a, a clock. You go to the alarm and you set it a little earlier than usual. Right? And then you get up and you pick a room. And you step aside a bit and you pray. Make some time. You see, because speaking to the Father was important to Jesus. Praying was important to Jesus. Treasured people that we are, caring people that we are, we need to step aside, we need to communicate with God. Prayer to God or praying to God is what we need most. Let me put it this way. George MacDonald, when they asked him, they asked him, he said, if God loves us so much and he knows exactly what we need before we ask, why must we pray? I just love his answer. He said this, what if he knows prayer to be the thing we need first and most? What if the main object of God's idea of prayer be the supplying of our great and endless need, the need for himself? Prayer is not so that you can get what you think you need. Prayer itself is the aim because then you get what you need most, him. Him. Prayer is not trying to align God's thoughts or pulling God's will to my will, but aligning my will to the will of God. 
You see, if we pray, if we spend time with him, then slowly but surely God deals with my character, deals with my conduct. He puts some rest and some peace and some joy back into me. Make me creative again. I said, Peter, I don't know how to do this. You know what? Just start. Know how important it is and start to create some time where you withdraw and you pray. Peter, I don't know how to pray. It's not about how you pray. It's about who you speak to. Praying to him. Thirdly, Jesus did not just withdraw or withdrew and pray. Something else here that I want you to see, don't miss this. Verse 13, after Jesus withdrew and the crowds found him once again and he had to get the boat ready, listen to verse 13. Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, that they may, might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. The third and the final thing in this scripture that Jesus did with treasure is Jesus withdrew, Jesus prayed, and what did he do? He brought with him, I want you to read it, those he wanted. He brought everybody with him. He said, you guys, you're at the beach. We are all going up the mountain now. If you want to know where I am, tomorrow I'll be there. No. Jesus withdrew. Spend the night in prayer. And then said, hey, you, 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 Peter, John, James, Alpheus, Leo, come here. Come here. Come and spend time with me. Come and be with me. Listen to this. He went up on the mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. You see, the thing is, we run so fast and so quick and so, we're so pressured that we are formed by everything and everyone, people we don't even know. Thumbs up, yes, we like what you've said. No, we don't like what you've said. I'm up today, I'm down tomorrow. Because now I'm like, now I'm not. Everybody's opinion matters. Everybody. And they determine how I feel. Say, Pian, I'm not like that. Oh. So what forms your feelings? The news? Facebook? Instagram? What determines how you get up tomorrow morning. I wish you would see your faces now. Oh. Everybody's opinion matters. Let me share this with you. Jesus prayed in John 17, I've revealed you to those you gave me. There's some people God gave you to minister to, but there's also some people God gave you to minister to you, to encourage you, to bless you. Find them, seek them out, invite them with you. 
I want to say, Piet, we should love everybody. It's right. But you should not take everybody with you when you withdraw. Okay, now, <laughs> wait, is this, is it, this cannot be the gospel. If you follow in Jesus' footsteps, you'll find there's some people that when the pressure was highest, Jesus withdrew first and foremost just to the Father. Secondly, he invited them with him that he wanted. There's some people that you are called to love, but it's still very hard work. Oh, come on, you guys are so holy this morning. No, Piet, for me, it just comes naturally. I just love everybody. I can't help it, man. Never feels like work, you know. I'm just such a benevolent person. Can't help myself. The character of Christ just oozes through me. <laughs> and now I get a response. Because we know some, some people you spend time with, you love them and you're called to love them, but it's hard work. <laughs> now those are not the ones you invite <laughs> when you're with Ruth. Yes? Should you love them? Yes. Should he work hard? Yes. While you're at the lake. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You've got to stay with me. Because Peter, I'm going to leave this church because you, you know, you spend more time with some than you do with me. Hey, I'm just following in the footsteps of the one I follow. I wish you could see your faces now. So are you saying you are spending more time with some other people than with me? Yes, I do. I cannot. I want to help you in this. I cannot. Say there's 400 people in the congregation. Okay, Lene, would you please just work out my schedule and make sure that we divide all the time up evenly. Because we can't just lose somebody because they're angry. Because they were not allowed or invited to withdraw together. This is stuff we can't say from the pulpit. This is stuff you don't even allow yourself to say. Because if you're invited here and you're invited there and you're invited there, you always say yes, yes, yes. And you visit with these and you visit with those and you visit with those. And then when I ask you where's going, gee, I can't, my, I, I, can't, I just can't find any time for myself. Why? Because we are trying to please everybody's agenda. What about God's agenda with you? I know I am punching holes through some things that are really holding on to you, but please shake them off this morning. People's conviction about what you need to do and be for them is not going to keep you healthy spiritually. What's going to keep you healthy spiritually is keeping your eyes on Him and asking, Father, who are you giving me? Because I want to reveal you to them. Who are you sending my way? Where should my eyes be? And you do that. Don't just follow every whim and every stream and everything and everything that's written on Facebook or Instagram or the news. Oh, we don't do that. Yeah. Withdraw. Or get alone a bit. Pray. 
And then don't feel guilty that there's some people that God says, hey, I want you to be a bit closer. Come, bring them closer. And you'll know. You'll know you speak to them, you're encouraged. There's sometimes where you have nothing to give. Make sure that you have those that normally leave you stronger, close enough, so that you can have something tomorrow again. Hello? About this practical stuff, we don't talk. No, Jesus wasn't like that. I beg to differ. Lastly, in this third thing that Jesus did, he invited those with him, but he just didn't just invite them, invite them to him to be with him. No, you, you can read with me. Yeah. It says, and they came to him. He appointed to the 12 so that what? Read with me. That they might be with him. Number one, his first priority is just that you might be with him. That they might be with him. That you might just be with them. I've got people, and I love being around them so much, but you know, we're not, we didn't have a prayer meeting. Maybe just be with them. Oh, we went some four by four driving, and we're so encouraged. It's not spiritual, that's what you think. There's people I like walking along the beach with. But, but this morning we, we, didn't chat, we didn't pray while we were walking. Do you think that to be unspiritual? Come on. You should listen, see, look. And then he said that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now he's the authority. He's the one that gives authority. But those that encourage you, you are called to encourage those that God gives you. Let me, let me put it in practical terms. Even if you're good at what you do, you should not be the only person doing it because you're the best in your mind at what you're doing because nobody else can do it like you do. Therefore, it's only you doing what you're doing. And everybody else is just trying to do what you do because you're the best at what you do. Hello? If you remain the best at what you do, you're not doing your job. Yes. I'll say that again. Yes. If you remain the best at what you do, you're not doing your job. It's definitely true spiritually. And I can share this with you. It's also true just about in everything that you do. You are there to encourage, to release, to empower, to lift to build those around you so that they would do what you do even better than you do it. Because there's people that need what you do to be done. But you cannot be there to do what you think you can do best. There will be other people that need to do what you do to those that need you or to be done what you think it's only you that can do. Did you get it? Okay, let me, let me simplify it. Go and make disciples. <laughs> you get it? Go and make disciples, not followers. 
Jesus appointed others. You might say, Peter, I read the Bible today, but this was just practical stuff. What did you think the Bible was? Did you really think it was just 2,000 years old? It's got nothing to do with us? Just in case you forgot. Never forget, Jesus knows what you're going through. If you think you're under pressure, you ain't seen nothing. He knows what it is to be under pressure. How did Jesus deal with it? He withdrew. He prayed. And took people with him. Yes, did he? So then I have only one thing to say. Now that you know these things, you will do well by doing them. I read it somewhere. I think it's in John 13. And it's Jesus saying it. So do you now know these things? So you, do, you will do well by what? By doing them. Might not do it all at once, but start by just Switching off from every input you receive. Just withdrawing a little bit. Amen? Can I, I think all of us need prayer in this. Is, is that okay? Can I pray for all of us? If you want to be excluded to prayer, you can just raise your hand so I'll make sure that we don't need you. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is just so beautiful to see how our Lord Jesus dealt with relentless pressure by just withdrawing to your presence, praying and conversing with you. Father, I must be honest, it's such an encouragement to me, such a blessing to me to see that he took people with him and was ministered to by them as he ministered to them. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us your ways not to be overwhelmed with the pressures that we face, but to truly be in line with your will and purpose for us. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to move in your power how to truly be in your presence and hear from you and to fulfill this greatest desire that we know we need so much to be with you, to hear from you, to be instructed and ministered to by you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray this in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen.